So glad to see everyone this morning and our friends listening in on KTCU. Today we are looking at a passage from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. I don't know how long it's been since you've read the Gospel of John, but it begins with a beautiful description of Jesus as the promised one, sent from God, the Messiah, the one who brings light to a world living in darkness. And throughout the story, we've seen Jesus gather disciples. We've seen him change water into wine at a wedding and heal the sick. But mainly, Jesus has been teaching. Teaching about heavenly things, about eternal life, about God's saving love. Because of the things he's been doing and the things he's been saying, Jesus has gathered quite a following and a crowd of about 5,000 or so follows him across the Sea of Galilee to see what he might do next. And then in a move that completely confounds his disciples, Jesus takes it upon himself to feed all of those people. Now remember, there's 5,000 of them and these are hungry people. They don't know what the grocery store is or a refrigerator or a full pantry. Getting food for the day was just part of life. But there was a boy there who had five loaves of barley bread and two pieces of dried fish. And Jesus took that little bit of food and with his own hands distributed food to the 5,000 where everybody ate their fill and there were 12 baskets full left over. Eating your fill? Leftovers? That didn't happen. And the folks were so excited, so taken with the idea of the possibility of the things that Jesus might be able to do for them. Maybe he could provide food and shelter as well. That they proclaimed that Jesus must be made king. But Jesus didn't want anything to do with that. And so he slipped away. Now that night, the disciples get into their boat to cross to the other side. And Jesus was not with them. A storm comes up. Jesus walks on the water to the boat to see the disciples safely to the other side. But the next morning, that crowd on this side wakes up, probably wanting Jesus to whip up some breakfast for them only to find that Jesus isn't there. And they saw the disciples get in the boat without him. Here's what happened. Good morning, University Christian Church. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 24 through 35. Here begins the reading. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man 
will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has sent his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, which, that it, which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here ends the reading. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you for your holy words of scripture that speak to us and guide us. Let your Holy Spirit be among us today. Inflame our hearts with passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever had that feeling that you just don't belong? You just don't fit in somehow. And it's nothing that you did or nothing that you said that caused it. You just know. And other people know that your piece of the puzzle just isn't quite fitting in to the larger picture. I have felt that way mainly because I think I was born at the wrong time. Because growing up, I always was more interested in what my parents' friends were talking about than what my peers had to say. I just did not fit in with kids my own age. And so I had some coping mechanisms that I used to deal with this situation. Reading was the top way that I dealt with this. And it helped a lot because reading would let me escape to anywhere. Books took me to the prairies of the Midwest where I would ride in a covered wagon with Laura Ingalls and her family. It would drop me down onto a shiny new bicycle where I could get into mischief with Henry Huggins and Beezus Quimby. Or it might put me down into a sleek convertible where I could solve mysteries with Nancy Drew. Now you'll notice that all of these literary friends of mine lived in a time before me. I just knew that if I had been born at a different time, my life would have been better. The 1960s in particular fascinated me, and I would sit for hours with my dad's senior year annual from 1966 and just go through it, making up stories about his classmates, deciding which clubs I would have belonged to, which teacher might have been my favorite. And even now, I tend to look back on this romanticized version of the 1960s as a way to comfort myself. I figured out one time 1955 would have been the year, the best year for me to be born. Any 1955ers in here? You don't want to admit it, but that's okay. 
this looking back toward the generation before me has really placed its mark on my life. Now, except for the television, if you walk into my house, it's like a time capsule with the, with the green rotary telephone and the orange mid-century couch and a collection of vintage bottles of dishwashing liquid, which is a long story that you'll have to hear another time. But isn't that the way it is? Now, maybe not everybody takes it to such an extreme as I do, but it seems that every generation has this rosy memory of a time gone by when things were better, when things were easier. Every time period has its own stresses and problems and worries, but there's always a glorified past to look back on. Them was the good old days. Most everybody I know has some way of looking back, whether it's listening to music or reading books or simply reminiscing. And it was that way in Jesus' day as well. To hop back into that scripture that Eric just read for us, those people got up looking for Jesus to make their breakfast. There was no breakfast to be found. And so off they went looking for Jesus. They figured somehow he had made it back to Capernaum across the Sea of Galilee. So they jumped in their boats and followed him and they found him. And when they found him, Jesus called them on why it was they were looking for him in the first place. He said, you're following me because you got your fill of bread yesterday. And why are you spending so much of your time working for something perishable like food when you could be spending your time working for food that's going to give you eternal life? In response to that, the people asked what I think is a reasonable question. Okay, Jesus, well, what is it that God wants us to do? And Jesus said, your work is to believe in the one he sent. Your work is to believe in the one he sent. Now, despite the fact that Jesus had performed an incredible miracle just the day before, which these folks had not only witnessed, but participated in and benefited from, they had the guts to ask Jesus to prove that what he was saying to them was true. What are you going to do? What are you going to give us to prove what you're saying? And then they got to reminiscing about a time before theirs. You know, when our ancestors were in the wilderness, God gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're talking about the Old Testament story of the Israelites who were journeying in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years on their way from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land. And in those days, God provided manna for them, little pieces of flaky bread that would rain down from heaven, appear on the grass like dew. It would melt in the heat of the midday sun. And so each morning, every family or individual would gather what they could eat for the day. There was enough, but there were no leftovers. If they tried to hoard it or save it, it would rot. Them was the good old days. 
back when God, when people knew that God was taking care of them. And at that moment, Jesus took them out of that past and redirected their focus on the present. Why are you talking about Moses and the manna back then? It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven and it's not in the past, it's now. Mm. They were very intrigued by that. They want that bread he's talking about. Give us this bread, they said. I am the bread, Jesus proclaimed. I am the bread of life. It's me. You see, the crowd was looking in the wrong direction. Their focus was on what used to be, how God used to act. Their vision was so cloudy, they couldn't recognize that the miracle he had done for them the day before when he fed them was the sign, the proof that they were asking him to provide. They were running themselves ragged all over Galilee, chasing after him to fill their needs. They were feasting on an abundance of bread and at the same time wishing for manna from the past. Seeing the abundance that Jesus had to offer them now and living in the scarcity of yesterday. And Jesus is standing before them with his arms wide open saying that bread that you ate yesterday, that's already in the past. You're hungry again today. That was just a taste of what I have to offer you. Eat of the bread of life and you'll never be hungry again. You'll never be thirsty again. Our work is to believe in the one God sent. So what does that mean? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? What is the work of believing in Jesus? Now once we cut through all the stuff that we think we're supposed to say, to get to the heart of the matter, we've got to ask ourselves some difficult questions. Do we hold as true that Jesus is the Son of God? Do we hold as true that following Jesus means putting God first before our family, before our job, before our political affiliation, before our very selves? Our work is to believe in the one God sent. Does our belief in Jesus in his teaching of love and compassion, in his care for the poor and the outcast, in his insistence that we be generous with our money and faithful in our praying, does that belief affect the way we live our lives? Our work is to believe in the one God sent. To believe in the one who defeated death, rose from the grave, and promised to one day take us to himself, to believe in the one who asked us to offer forgiveness in the same way that we offer forgiveness to others. Our work is to believe in Jesus who offers us comfort in the storm, 
salvation from what would try to destroy us. A welcome table feast where nobody goes without and a well that never runs dry. If we believe in Jesus, then we must believe that following Him makes a difference in our lives, makes us better people, better spouses, better partners, better parents, better children, better neighbors, makes the world a better place. If we believe in Jesus, that He is the bread of life, then shouldn't our lives look like we believe in Jesus? Shouldn't we be working to humble ourselves, to pray for our enemies, to not be anxious, to love one another? And none of that comes easy. Jesus said it himself, it's work. It takes effort to set aside time every day to pray. And when you do carve out the time, you don't want to spend it praying for people you don't like. But that's what Jesus told us to do. It's hard not to escalate the drama. It's hard to listen when you want to argue. It's hard to forgive. To believe in Jesus means to work. And Jesus, we're tired. There's a collective sense of exhaustion. The committee hearing on the January 6th Capitol attack has ramped up the political divide that gets wider every day. The COVID numbers are on the rise just when we were starting to feel normal again. Fingers are pointing in every direction and we are entrenched of these camps of I'm right and you're wrong. And nobody seems to want to take that hard first step in the other direction for a conversation. It's easier to dig in, to look back, to remember when things were better, to escape the pain of now and avoid the work of reconciliation. Church, we don't have to do this alone. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't recommend it. Jesus is standing right before us with his arms wide open reaching for hands saying I'm here believe in me let me bring you toward each other let me walk with you through this storm and into life abundant Friends, there is a Jesus-shaped pain that cannot be healed with anger or resentment. There is a Jesus-sized emptiness that cannot be filled with stuff or by a politician or with food or money or sex or alcohol or anything else except the bread of life the true bread of God who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world.
Who is going to live out what it looks like to eat the bread of life? Who is going to step out of the past and into the abundant presence of now? Who is going to do the hard work of believing in Jesus? Living not in darkness, but in the light of His love. If not us, church, if not us, who?